0: Hello everybody, it is Michael here with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, you're going to notice a very significant difference as this is my first visual support. Uh, Podcast. I really appreciate the support on the show a ton. It's allowed me to get this camera so now we can make the podcast visual. I'm super excited about the future of everything we can do with this. So yeah, let's just get right into the first visual podcast. First thing I want to talk about is the conference championship games. First, starting off with Buccaneers versus Packers. This was an absolutely just crazy game back and forth, especially that second half. Super controversial ending, and I definitely say I have some pretty bold opinions about it and my thoughts are just that the packers wasted way too many opportunities for them to really even deserve to win this game at the end of the day i understand the frustration with the flag even though it was a clear penalty i can understand the mindset of you're saying uh you let them play all day and then you have a flag at the very end of the game when it matters the most i completely understand the rationale of that but it was a very very clear flag and then people are going to pull up screenshots of other plays that are clear flags. But first of all, you can do that with literally any NFL game, any NBA game. That's just what happens in sports. At the end of the day, referees are human. They're not going to be able to call everything. And if that went the other way around, where they didn't call that flag, there was going to be the exact same reaction from Buccaneers fans who were really, really frustrated that they didn't call that flag on a cru- crucial play, especially if the Packers ended up winning. So it goes back. Both ways. It's just kind of the unfortunate thing of having refs because they're human, they make mistakes, and then uh it's just part of the game at the end of the day. It's pretty unfortunate that it has to be like that, but it is what it is. I mean, Tom Brady, he put on an absolute clinic in the first half, he was phenomenal. Uh, He threw some just absolutely beautiful balls, but second half, he really, really struggled. Three interceptions in there, and that's my frustration with Packers fans being so mad. At the end of the day, you did not capitalize off the uh, opportunities that you were given. They were given so many opportunities by Tom Brady throwing interceptions, and they only got like a couple points off that, and then they had the controversial uh, call where they kicked a field goal, which that just confused me, to be honest, because... At the end of the day, that field goal really didn't do much for them. So I'm surprised with Aaron Rodgers, who should be the MVP of the season. He's performed so phenomenally all year. You got Aaron Jones, you got Devonte Adams. I'm really surprised you don't end up going for it there. And I was surprised that Aaron Rodgers didn't run it when he looked like he had open opportunities to. There was just a lot of things that confused me about the Packers, much less than just the refereeing. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was great this game, though. It, it's not his fault at all that they lost this game. Completed 33 of his 48 passes for 346 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, the issues in this game were just fumbles at very costly times. Aaron Jones had two of them. One of them that they lost, that hurt them very, very badly. And them just not being able to capitalize as a whole on the Buccaneers' mistakes. Like Especially early on in that fourth quarter, it just felt like both teams going back and forth and then uh, Tom Brady would throw an interception, and then uh, the Packers really wouldn't do anything with it. It would just be uh, a punt to back to uh, the Buccaneers, so that was definitely annoying that Uh, no team could really capitalize on each other's mistakes Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling actually was great this game though he was a massive part in how close this game was getting four receptions for 115 yards and a touchdown he's definitely gotten better and better uh, game by game this year he's had dropping issues at certain points and that's something that he still needs to iron out because sometimes he can have drops at big times but as a whole he was very good Devontae Adams while not having like the greatest game ever was still very good. Uh, got nine receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown in there. But there was just some like key drops uh, that other people made. There was the two-point conversion that they ended up dropping. This was Completely in their hands for this game, and they just choked this one away. And I mean, you got to give also a lot of credit to the Buccaneers players for making big plays at big times. Uh, like this defense really, really stepped up, and they played absolutely phenomenally this game. I was so impressed by how the Buccaneers defense played. Devin White had a great game. Jordan Whitehead forced two fumbles. Uh, they had some injuries as well, and hopefully by Super Bowl week, those injuries will have subsided. Because that'll definitely be a big part of the game. Like at a certain point, they had both of their backup safeties in there, and that was definitely hurting them quite a lot. Antonio Brown wasn't able to play this game as well. So I was really impressed by uh, these guys stepping up and playing. Uh, key moment. Sean Murphy Bunting got an interception as well. Shaquille Barrett was wreaking havoc throughout this entire game. Three sacks in this one. Two sacks from Jason Pierre-Paul. They did an amazing job of uh, getting after Aaron Rodgers. Definitely didn't make him struggle nearly as much as he did in their first matchup against each other, Uh, but they still did a good job of getting after Aaron Rodgers and making things difficult for him, which at the end of the day, that's that's all you can ask for. You're never going to expect a team to completely shut down one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen and especially with the year that aaron Rodgers has had but just making it difficult for him getting after him is very very important and i was impressed that they were able to do that chris godwin had a pretty great game five receptions for 110 yards he had that massive deep catch after he dropped like such an easy ball mike evans had multiple key drops in there that really hurt them i don't really blame the interception on him that much like the ball was a little high and he probably could have caught it but tom brady's got to be better there and throw a better ball he still had three receptions for 51 yards and a touchdown scotty miller had that deep play at the end of the half which really hurt uh the packers that was just pretty embarrassing if i'm being honest and kevin king absolutely killed them in this game so many plays where he just got toasted and he was a big big part to why they lost this game Uh, i they need to address that position because he cannot be a starter for this roster next year. That was a mess. Uh, Kenny Clark did have a great game in this one, though, was just being an absolute disruptor. Proven why he's one of the best defensive tackles uh, in the NFL. And the Packers did have their injuries as well, like David Bakhtiari being out, really hurt them because you got to see the impact of that with Shaq Barrett getting so much pressure and with Jason Pierre-Paul getting pressure as well. That was definitely a big thing that hurt them. Uh, But I got to give a ton of credit to the Buccaneers uh, for stepping up and making key plays. Like that screen to Rob Gronkowski for 29 yards, that was a big play. Cameron Brake got a touchdown in there. And I'm really excited to see how the Bucs, especially a fully helpfully fully healthy hopefully bucks uh will perform against the chiefs in the super bowl it's so fascinating to me with this bucks team because i think on their best day they can beat any team in the nfl and we saw that in the first half especially where they were just rolling tom brady was throwing dots uh their receivers were getting open like it was such a great first half from them leonard Fournette was running the ball effectively but then the second half they really struggled on the offensive side of the ball but stepped up on defense so it's all about just consistency with this roster and i'm going to be very excited to see if they can consistently be good throughout a whole game because i just don't know if we've seen uh that enough for them to be the team like the kansas city chiefs who are so so good it's going to be very very interesting but this was Uh, Very compelling game right here. So much controversy after it. But at the end of the day, my opinions are that the Packers didn't Um, take advantage of the opportunities that they were given Uh, they made multiple key mistakes Kevin King really really cost them this game and at the end of the day the team that uh, capitalized on the other team's mistakes more in the Buccaneers were able to win this game right here I think it was a fair game and yeah it was really cool to see Tom Brady get into another Super Bowl as a Patriots fan I don't have any ill will against Tom Brady and I think any Patriots fans who do are just ridiculous he was there for so long and brought us so much success so at the end of the day I'm just happy for Tom Brady happy for Rob Gronkowski and I'm really really excited to see how this team performs in the Super Bowl now I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs This was a pretty disappointing uh, game for me. If you know me, I've talked multiple times about how much I was in love with this build's roster, how confident I was in them to just be an absolute threat against any team they were facing, and they were just pretty underwhelming in this game. They got off to a hot start as the Chiefs had some mistakes. McColl Hardman dropped that punt and put them in such easy position uh, to score a touchdown. They went up 9-0, and then it was kind of just lights out football for the Kansas City Chiefs. Josh Allen definitely had his struggles at times in this game completed 28 of 48 passes for 287 yards two touchdowns and an interception he just simply wasn't that great in this game like he wasn't awful but i gotta also give a ton of credit to the chiefs defense they played much better than i expected them to you can tell they really really honed in on the game plan of just making uh the bills uncomfortable because the bills are a team that's been so successful all year with their amazing receiving core because that's just been the thing that's helped them so much is guys like cole beasley stefan diggs and john brown and whenever there's like one safety over the top it's free cheese for uh the buffalo bills because this is a really like a strike heavy offense they're gonna make explosive big plays but the chiefs did a pretty good job i'd say of containing uh that and got to give them a ton of credit for that. Got to give uh, all the coaching staff and obviously all the personnel, all the players who uh, made the plays uh, credit on that. They did a good job getting after Josh Allen. Frank Clark had two sacks in there, and then they got two other sacks as well. And I was just overall imp- uh, really impressed by the coverage of the guys. Uh, guys like Tyron Matthew made big plays this game. Juan Thornhill had four blasts pass deflections like overall they just played a very clean game on the defensive side of the ball and held an amazing bills offense because this offense was deadly all year to 24 points and nine of those were in the fourth quarter when the game was kind of already over josh allen also had 88 yards in the rushing game but other than that the rushing game was ineffective and that was the one thing that was really holding me back for being just like super all in on the bills being a super bowl team was their running game the running game's been ineffective all year and they're definitely going to need to address uh that in the off season because at the end of the day Uh, even though it's a more pass heavy league than ever and running backs are less valuable than ever the running game is still important it is still something that most great teams have so you got to get that figured out it's got to be better than 17 yards on six carries for devin singletary like that's that's just not going to work and not going to bring you too far no matter how good your passing game is like even teams like the chiefs Have always had at least a good enough running game. Daryl Williams averaged four yards per carry. Clyde Edwards-Helaire wasn't great in this game, but only got six carries as he was coming back from injury. Got a touchdown in there as well. Like you just need to be able to have that mix, and that is the one thing that the Bills were really missing. And their defense was a little bit disappointing this year, but this is still one hell of a season for the Buffalo Bills. At the end of the day, they're a team that was expected, obviously, to be a playoff team, but I don't think anyone could have expected. to be this good josh allen took such a massive leap and really just grew as a player so much completely changed around his mechanics and that completely changed the success of josh allen he was just so much better this year was an mvp level guy i do really want to see him keep it up next year but i think he can i don't think this is a fluke by any means because he just unlocked the physical tools that he's always had by having better mechanics and now having better weapons around him Stephon diggs is in my opinion the top five receiver in the nfl stefan diggs is absolutely absolutely phenomenal and they got good receivers around them they got a solid tight end dawson Knox, and it just phenomenal coaching so i think this still was a success of a season for the bills but they do have things they need to address their defense uh, definitely needs to be better next year because it, it wasn't super bad, but it was just pretty underwhelming, and I do think that can be addressed. Uh, obviously, like every team, you're just hoping to nail it in the draft, fix your problems, fix your problems in the running game, fix your problems on the defensive side of the ball, and I think the Bills will be right in contention next year. I don't think there's any need to panic or worry about this roster. I think you've just got to be happy with all the growth you saw this year and then just fix your problems in the offseason. Still a great season from the Buffalo Bills. And on the Kansas City Chiefs side, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, this dude is just so amazing. Like, I'm always just in awe of watching him because he makes so many plays that look like physically impossible for other guys to make. And he just makes them on a regular basis like it's absolutely nothing. It's It's just a true pleasure to watch, and I did pick the Bills in this game just because I was uncertain of how healthy Patrick Mahomes would be coming off a concussion protocol, but the way he looked in this game was just absolutely incredible, definitely one of his best games uh, this year, and considering the stakes of everything, probably one of the better games of his career as a whole. Just played super clean football, only uh, had nine passes that weren't completed for 325 yards and three touchdowns again. He was just absolutely incredible in this one. Daryl Williams was pretty solid getting 52 yards in the uh, rushing game. Average 4 yards per carry and got a touchdown. McCole Hardman had a big 50 yard rush. Uh, and then receiving wise Tyreek Hill, he absolutely did dominated this game he was incredible it's just how are you supposed to keep up with Tyreek's hill speed I don't know because there there were so many plays where he turned what for 99% of receivers maybe him and like Henry Ruggs are the only guys who can make this play where it was like just a short underneath pass and it probably would have been completed for six to eight yards for most people he turns those plays so regularly into like 20 plus yard gains because he's just so fast and so elusive that no one can catch him and obviously has the speed to take the top off of the defense so he's just such an electric weapon on this roster and then you got Travis Kelsey who has continued his pace of having the best tight end season of all time he's been absolutely ridiculous Uh, he had 13 receptions for 118 yards and two touchdowns again the dude is just been incredible. He's had a legendary season at the tight end position. And overall, this team is just clicking very, very well. It gives me a ton of confidence, especially now that we got the uh, little break for them, for a guy like Patrick Mahomes to get even healthier and be ready for the Super Bowl. They do have some injuries on the O-line, and that is one thing that's scaring me when they're going to face a team like the Buccaneers, who have great pass rushers, and a guy like Shaq Barrett, is their O-line has been pretty banged up. They had guys uh, pull out of the season so that definitely could be a cause for concern and i could completely understand people being concerned about that but this chiefs team is just so good andy Reid is such a phenomenal coach and then patrick mahomes is the best uh talent at least at the quarterback position that we've ever seen the dude is just absolutely incredible and then if their defense can play the way it did in this game it's hard for me to see anyone even anybody beat this uh, Chiefs team but that is the fun thing about the NFL is that with the way they do Uh, the playoffs any team could beat any other team on any given day so I'm still not counting out the Buccaneers uh, in the Super Bowl by any means but it's just so hard for me to see a team beat such a good team in the Kansas City Chiefs and I know I predicted the Bills uh, to win before but that was more just due to the uncertainty of Patrick Mahomes than anything because I think a healthy and locked in uh, Kansas City Chiefs roster just outmatches everybody because they have better coaching better personnel, and they have the best quarterback in the world. That's that's a pretty hard recipe to beat at the end of the day. But this was a pretty disappointing game. But I was happy what I saw out of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they just had a, a really, really good game. And, yeah, now getting into my Super Bowl prediction. Man, this is this is a super compelling game right here because you have a Buccaneers team who's had such a weird season where they've had guys in and out. They picked up Antonio Brown, who was injured last game, and they've, they've had just a weird season where they were really inconsistent, but on their best day and when they were locked in, they can beat any team in the NFL. And in the playoffs, they've proved that so far. They beat a great Packers team. I mean, as a wild card team, they've made the Super Bowl, and they've had multiple impressive performances so far in the playoffs. And they are, at the end of the day, a super talented team. If you just look at this receiving core alone, you have Antonio Brown, who may not be exactly the player he used to be, but he's still one hell of a player. You have Chris Godwin. You have Mike Evans. You even have a guy like Scotty Miller who can get involved. Like, this team is so, so talented, and if they can click at the right time i do believe they can beat any team in the nfl like i said uh but they've had their inconsistencies they've had times where tom brady has struggled i mean we saw in the second half of the packers game tom brady really really struggled in this one uh they had they've had times where their defense has struggled even though it's uh, made big plays at times and their linebacking core is absolutely phenomenal sometimes they can get beat in the passing game they have injuries that you should be concerned about i'm hoping these guys are healthy, obviously, but both of their starting safeties were injured, and then they had to have backups who just simply aren't that good in the game. And when you're facing a team like the Chiefs with guys who can take the top off of the defense and a guy like McCole Hardman and obviously Tyreek Hill, having backup safeties in is very, very worrying for me. So I do hope those guys are healthy to make it a more competitive game. But again, you have such a talented team, you have the greatest quarterback of all time who I will always trust, even 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 in that Packers game where he was struggling so much in the second half, I'm like, I trust Tom Brady to close this game because he's done it so many times, and I uh, trust him to continue to do it. They have a solid running game. Leonard Fournette has kind of came alive, and he's been playing pretty well of recent. And I like Ronald Jones as well, even though he's kind of inconsistent. Uh, Their coaching is something that has kind of puzzled me at, at certain points in the year, as I feel like sometimes they're asking Tom Brady to do too much, especially when it comes to throwing the deep ball. But... They do have pretty good defensive coaching. Todd Bowles has done a great job on that side of the ball. And I think with all this extra time for them to really hone in on the Chiefs, hone in on all their tendencies, I definitely think they can compete in this game. But when you're looking on the Chiefs side, it's just so hard for me to see a team that beats a pretty healthy Chiefs team. Like Their offensive line is something that worries me quite a lot, as they've dealt with a lot of injuries this year, people opting out, and with a guy like Shaq Barrett, who had a ridiculous game against the Packers who were also hurt on the offensive line I'm worried that a similar thing could happen uh, in this game with Shaq Bear maybe having a crazy game or Jason Pierre-Paul having a great game uh, but I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world. I think he's the best quarterback talent we've ever seen uh, play in this game. He's a guy who makes just such hard plays and plays that very, very few quarterbacks can make. He makes them look so casual and so regular just because he's that talented of a guy. It just comes natural for him. And then the weapons around him have just been playing absolutely phenomenal this year. Like Tyreek Hill is had an amazing season and he's just such an unguardable guy because he came into the league as a raw player who was a big speedster had some off the field uh worries and then was just a raw player as a whole but he's refined his route running and he obviously still has the ridiculous speed uh the speed that is basically unmatched by anybody and it just makes him an unguardable player because now that he's a better route runner he can really take the top off of the defense but you can also ding dink and duck it to him and throw it underneath and then he's such a, an explosive playmaker with his agility and with his speed that he can make a six yard play for 99 percent of the receivers into a 20 yard play because he's just that fast you got another speedster in McCole hardman who you always have to worry about taking the top off of the defense and then you have travis kelsey who as much as i like a guy like george kittle as much as i'm a massive fan of rob gronkowski he's had the best individual tight end season of all time and i don't really think it's even in debate he's consistently been absolutely ridiculous this year I don't care that he may not be as good of a blocker as some of the best tight ends and some of the guys that he gets compared to this dude is one of the most elite receiving threats we've ever seen at the tight end position he's a truly just dynamic playmaker and he's been awesome all year I mean the dude has been averaging almost like a hundred yards per game he is unguardable and even though the uh, Buccaneers do have some really good talent on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they're going to put some of their better linebackers on them. We may even see like some Antoine Winf- Winfield if he's healthy on him. It's still going to be a tough match for the Buccaneers to uh, guard a guy like Travis Kelsey, and then you just got the offensive geniuses that they have over there in Eric Reed, and uh, I mean they just have such a good. Uh, coaching staff over there. It's absolutely phenomenal what the Chiefs Uh, are able to do and they have a good running game as well Clyde Edwards Hilaire should be much more healthy in the next game that they uh, play and then their defense is something that's been a little bit wishy-washy it's been scary at certain times for this roster but it's also been a defense that has stepped up and made big plays they have guys like Tyron Matthew are very good and again when you look at the coaching it is still good on the defensive side of the ball and if this goes for both teams, but well, when you have all this time to just hone in on the other team and really point out all their tendencies, focus on every little uh, part of the game that they do to make them successful, it's definitely going to be a very, very interesting game, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's so much storylines around this, and as much as I would love to see one of my favorite players of all time, Tom Brady, win his 7th Super Bowl. It's just hard for me to see a team beating the Chiefs. I do still think this game can go either way. I think it's going to be one hell of a game. I'm so excited for February 7th, Super Bowl Sunday. That's going to be absolutely phenomenal. But I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I'd probably pick them to win it by like a touchdown and I could see it going either way I'd love an absolute thriller I'd love this game to go to like overtime that'd be absolutely phenomenal if we see another overtime game with uh, Chiefs versus Tom Brady we could see Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl or we could see Patrick Mahomes win his second Super Bowl in a row and already establish himself as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and really have the chance to blow everybody out of the water as far as top quarterbacks of all time as much as I love Tom Brady this dude Patrick Mahomes is so talented and is still so young that it's hard for me to see anybody but Patrick Mahomes being the GOAT far, far down the line, unless some catastrophic injury, which obviously none of us are hoping will happen. So... I got the Chiefs winning this game. It's just too hard for me to see them losing with all the talent that they have. And then just the way they played against the Bills was absolutely phenomenal, man. So I'm picking the Chiefs by probably one touchdown. Could see it going either way. At the end of the day, I'm just excited for Super Bowl Sunday. Now getting into some NBA topics, first I want to talk about the Toronto Raptors who've started to turn things around after a super slow start to the season where they were really really struggling. Like It looked ugly, it looked like they were going to get a top pick in the draft. They're 7-9 and nine now which obviously still isn't great. But they are turning things around. And just as a team as a whole, they've looked much better. They aren't facing nobodies by any means. Uh, they just be a very good Indiana Pacers team who was fully healthy, which is always a very, very impressive uh, win against just, again, a great team in the Indiana Pacers. And the thing that has honestly uh, changed the most since the beginning of the season is just the emergence of Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher has been great this season better than I could have ever expected, and that was my worry going into the season with the Toronto Raptors, is their center position, and I thought that's what got exposed at the beginning of the season, was their struggles at the center position, but Chris Boucher in only 23.4 minutes per game has stepped up in a big, big way, he's averaging 14.6 points per game, he's shooting 3.63 3.63 is a game, and is shooting 48%. I mean, he's been a great rim protector as well, averaging 2.3 blocks. He's been amazing for them, and I still don't really necessarily trust him to play big, big minutes, just due to him being 6'9", and him being only 200 pounds, especially against a bruising big man like Joel Embiid. But teams that don't have super talented big men, I can absolutely trust Chris Boucher to play against, because he just has such crazy length. His ability to shoot the ball is great, and then He's such a good rim protector as well. Like we even saw in the limited minutes early on in his career. I mean, in 2019, he averaged basically a block per game in only 5.8 minutes. That's so, so impressive. And he's such a good lob target as well. Really like Chris Boucher's game. I just really like to see uh, the next man mentality of the Uh, toronto raptors it just seems like they always find a way even if they're not the most talented team by any means even if they're losing important pieces every single season they always have someone who just steps up for the roster in some way and plays important minutes and that's been chris boucher this year like aaron baines has definitely struggled so far Uh, i do really like aaron baines as a role player but he's had a rough season he's only shooting 26 percent from three which was the thing that really made him so important for the phoenix suns last year Like his uh, most important ability is probably his ability to be like a bruising screener and stuff and just be a physical player. But his other most important ability was to shoot the three ball last year. He wasn't even a great shooter percentage-wise, only shooting 35%. But as a center shooting four threes a game, that just adds so much spacing to the roster. But teams aren't super concerned about him this year just because he struggled from out there. Do hope he can turn things around because then that'll make a really good center rotation because Aaron Baines doesn't really play big minutes even though he's the starter. He just goes in there, gets his quick minutes, uh, sets some hard screens, as a physical player, is out there to shoot threes a little bit, and then Chris Boucher brings all the energy off the bench. Is catching lobs, uh, blocking shots. He's been playing great this year. Like I said, OG Anobi, While I, I just feel like he's never really taken that big step on the offensive side of the ball that I want him to. He's averaging 15 points now because he recently had a big game, uh, but he's just not a super. Uh, he's not a super uh, aggressive offensive player, which is pretty unfortunate. Uh, but he's a guy who can shoot the three ball pretty well uh, and then is just a good role player, cuts to the basket, uh, gets offensive rebounds, and just kind of fits in that way and is a great wing defender as well. Sorry, my my recording just stopped for a second, but going back to O.G. Ananobi, just a solid player overall, one of the better role players in the league, uh, honestly, now, especially that he's expanding his offensive game a little bit, still isn't a guy who's going to be like a big time scorer because he's just not a super aggressive, aggressive offensive player he's a guy who just kind of gets it where he can and then he's most valued for his wing defense he's averaging 2.2 steals per game and he just always does such a good job of guarding the better wings in the league and especially with how many good wings there are now it's super important for uh, them to have the great wing defender in OG Ananobi that they do. Fred Van Vliet is a guy who's had a solid season so far. He's never going to be super efficient from the field because he's not like a, a great interior finisher, and he's more valued thir- for his ability to be a high-volume three-point shooter on a pretty solid percentage. He's shooting nine threes a game. 36% would like to see that get up a little bit, but he still brings the gritty defense that he does. Even though he's an undersized dude, he always will show the effort on that side of the ball and is someone who also has a good ability to play make as well especially in games where kyle lowry may be out he can really step up as a playmaker and then kyle lowry i mean kyle lowry is just one of the more consistent players in the league he's always a guy who i can trust to just be a good veteran honestly i just don't know when he's going to start regressing because he's an older player but he still is playing well still is shooting threes well still is a gritty defender we all know his ability to like take charges and stuff he's just such a good hustle player for this roster norman powell is someone who needs to step up for them for sure uh he's been playing better as of late but he had a really slow start to the season is again playing much better now averaging basically 13 points shooting 39 percent from the three but at the beginning he was really struggling he's just a guy who could definitely be a little streaky but with him being like such a big part of their success last year he needs to just try and be a little bit more consistent Then you got a guy like terrence davis who i like is just a scorer to come off the bench never going to be a super important part of this team uh but i always expect him to be a nice role player average around uh, like 15 minutes score probably like around 10 points and he's a good three-point shooter shooting over 40 percent shot basically 39 percent as well so their role players are just stepping up and it's just nick nurse again finding a way to uh, just work with a pretty untalented roster compared to a lot of the other top eastern conference teams like compared to the celtics the bucks uh the nets he the uh, the Raptors, especially this year, aren't going to compete with those teams, but they're always going to at least put up a fight and make things interesting because they just have such good culture, and such good culture, and they're turning things around. Really like what I've seen from the Toronto Raptors as late uh, as of late. They've been playing a lot, a lot better. Now, I want to talk about the Suns versus the Nuggets. I think this has the potential to be one of the better new rivalries in the league. As we saw back-to-back, just absolute thrillers between the Phoenix Suns and the uh, Denver Nuggets. These games were just incredible, man. Back and forth. Uh, throughout the entire game, just so, so competitive against two teams who I'd say are on a pretty even tier and are just super fun teams. Nicole Jokic, I mean, we all know his ability. He's just one of the most fun players in the entire league for me because he's not athletic by any means but he just makes it work with his basketball iq and his feel for the game he's so fun to watch and then on the other side you got deandre Aiden, who's a very skilled and talented young uh big man really like deandre Aiden. want him to be more aggressive but he is starting to turn things up a little bit he was averaging like 11 points that's at one point in the season. But he's averaging 15 and 12 now. More typical DeAndre in performance. So I like to see that. Mikhail Bridges is such a good wing defender. And you can throw him on a guy like Michael Porter Jr. Who's so talented on the offensive side of the ball. You can even throw him on Jamal Murray. Even though he probably has the speed disadvantage. But he's just so long and so good on that side of the ball. That you can trust him to guard a guy like Jamal Murray. Probably not for the whole game. But for short spurts. Uh, and then you got obviously Chris Paul I mean Chris Paul is one of the greatest players we've ever seen hasn't had like a crazy season so far guys. he's kind of just had his foot off the gas and he's been more the facilitator for the team which I which I honestly like a ton as this role for him to just be a facilitator and for him to focus on playmaking and just getting these guys in the right spots I think that's super super valuable for this team uh and I really like the role he's been playing this year. Devin Booker's had a weird season so far, and he uh, didn't play the most recent game against them. But he's still been good this year. And then, and seeing him and Jamal Murray go back back and forth and hit just tough shot after tough shot is definitely very very entertaining to watch i love the mix of just role players that the suns have i feel like the suns have one of the better constructed rosters in the league obviously they don't have like the upper echelon talent as some of these teams but just as far as fit and guys who work well together they have so many guys jay crowder even though he's a super streaky shooter as a whole he is a guy who brings that toughness brings that ability to shoot the ball and he can have super explosive nights where he's scoring big amounts cameron johnson is an amazing three point shooter and as much as that may have been too high of a pick just for where he was valued by everyone else he has been a good pick for this team and at the end of the day that's all that matters he's a guy who shoots like seven threes a game hasn't shot a great percentage actually this year only shooting 35 percent. but i definitely expect that to turn around as he is just such a good shooter I really like the rookie in Jalen Smith, even though he doesn't really get many minutes at all. Guy who reminds me of like a Miles Turner prototype of player. Shot blocks and then uh, shoots threes as well. Always love those type of players and always think they're so valuable. And then you just got guys who were almost out of the league, but now are playing important minutes for the Suns roster and play well. Like Cameron Payne was good in the bubble and has continued to be uh, solid at least this year, shooting thirty-eight percent from three. Um, and then their coaching as well, Monty Williams, I think is one of the best coaches in the league, but doesn't really get the recognition for it. Javon Carter is a really nice gritty guard off the bench who can shoot the ball as well. I really like Langston Galloway as a role player. Like they just have such a good mix. Uh, of everything and it makes their team one of the most fun teams for me to watch and then obviously on the nuggets like i said nicole Jokic, one of the most fun players in the league for me to watch jamal murray as inconsistent as he can be one of the most inconsistent players in the league and that can be very very frustrating at times he also when he's uh, being explosive and when he's having his big nights he's fun as hell to watch and he just can hit so many tough shots like he is not shooting well from three this year only shooting 33 and that's kind of old been a little disappointing was his ability to shoot the three ball I thought that was unlocked in the bubble but it, it just hasn't been super consistent this year but I do uh, hope he can just be more consistent as a whole and I still think he can have these explosive nights and hit these tough shots in big moments like he hit the shot to send them to overtime and I, I still like Jamal Murray's game as a whole I like Gary Harris as a wing defender that you can put on a guy like Devin Booker even though as much as he may struggle on the offense side of the ball is a good wing defender Love Michael Porter Jr.'s game. is one of my favorite younger players in the league Uh, because he reminds me a lot of Kevin Durant I don't think he'll ever reach the peak of Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant is one of the 15 greatest players we've ever seen play the game but he reminds me of him in the way where they both are just tough shot makers and they make everything look so easy because they just rise over people and hit shots and he did have to miss some time due to uh, COVID protocols but he's been great this year averaging 16 and a half points shooting 44 percent from three like he's just such a natural bucket and again it looks so easy for him out there uh, i really like some of the role players on this roster even if they can struggle at times i really like Jamichael green as a backup for monte morris has been one of the best backup point guards in the league uh, for a while now he's just super consistent and both of these teams are just so evenly matched and i would love to see a seven game series of this so badly like if these teams were the four and the five seed and were in a seven game series Lord, that would be one hell of a series. I think that's a seven-game, narrow, close series where it's just an absolute dogfight. They're going back and forth. Jamal Murray's exploding, and then one game he's struggling. Devin Booker is going off. like That would be an absolute blast of a series. I think that's two of the best coaches in the league. I think that those are two very talented rosters. And with just the first two games we've seen of this so far... I need to see a seven game series of this because, again, I think this can be one of the better rivalries in the league. They just both have such a fun dynamic to each team. And these uh, overtime thrillers uh, were an absolute blast to watch and were a true pleasure. Really, really hope I could see seven games of this. Next, I want to talk about Russell Westbrook. uh, The the Wizards are finally playing a game, games again after they didn't play for so long due to so many guys on that team catching COVID. But Russell Westbrook, uh, I'm thinking we may be seeing uh, the decline officially of Russell Westbrook as a player. I know he's been dealing with some injuries this year, and I completely understand that. Uh, but that is also part of the decline. Russell Westbrook was a guy who was an absolute Iron Man throughout the first uh, like 10 years of his career. But As he's gotten older and older... He's definitely gotten injured much, much more, and it feels like he's just always having some new lingering injury that's holding him back. And at a certain point, as unfortunate as it is, you have to hold that against a player uh, is their ability to stay healthy because uh, availability is very, very important. Like that's why certain guys I have lower in the top, like fifty. Kyrie Irving, even though I think he's so, so talented, has been a player who's consistently at injuries. And at the end of the day, you have to be on your on the floor. Playing uh, games for your team, and even when you're playing games, you have to be at at least like 90%. Because Russell Westbrook, a lot of the times, just doesn't seem like he's fully healthy, especially this season. Man, it seems like he's just lost a lot of the burst that makes Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook. Like, he's averaging 18 points per game and is shooting 37% from the field and 30% from three. It's it's really really rough for Westbrook, and in this most recent game where he came back, he was absolutely atrocious, man. Like. Again, he just doesn't seem to have that same burst. He really just can't beat defenders the same way he used to. Because Russell Westbrook has never been the most skilled player. He's always been a a player who's relied more on his athleticism. And that's what has made him so successful. Because I think he's one of the greatest athletes uh, the game has ever seen. He's an absolutely phenomenal athlete. Uh, is rarely matched by anyone else as an athlete can just jump out of the gym has such crazy speed and that's what has always allowed him to be such a good player is that speed is that athleticism but now that that seems that uh, now that it seems that it's starting to slow down slightly it definitely worries me about just the future of Russell Westbrook in the NBA as a whole Because I never see him being a good three-point shooter. He's one of the worst high-volume three-point shooters that the league has ever seen. And potentially the worst. Like, obviously, he's not just the worst shooter. But for a guy who shoots as high of a volume as he does, he's definitely one of the worst. Uh, He's always going to be around like a 30% guy. His free throws, uh, the rate of free throws he's taking and the free throws... Uh, themselves are going down quite a lot with him only shooting 64%. That's something that's been very weird as literally from 2009 to 2017, he was an elite free throw shooter, always shooting over 80% uh, most of the time, at least on pretty high amounts. But now in uh, 2018, he shot 74% and 2019 shot 66%. 2020 shot uh, 76 again that was actually pretty good and now he's back to shooting 64 percent like that's gone down he's never really been a great defender and again his defense has never been about his awareness it's never been about his IQ on that side of the ball it's always been about his athleticism and u- him using his athleticism to his advantage uh, so I'm just really worried about Russell Westbrook because He is more of an athletic player than a skilled player. He's never had the highest basketball IQ. He is one of the most frustrating players in the NBA as far as just like the mistakes they make. He is one of the more turnover prone guys in the league. And even though he's averaging 10.6 assists, that also comes along with 5.1 turnovers. And a lot of those are ugly at really, really key and crucial moments in the game. And honestly, I just don't really care that he's averaging a near triple-double because, first of all, the numbers just as a whole aren't really as impressive as his other triple-doubles that he's averaged. The efficiency is worse. And The Wizards are losing games, and I think a lot of it is because Russell Westbrook. Now, it's obviously not fully on Russell Westbrook. That would be absolutely ridiculous of me to say because this roster does have very big issues as far as construction-wise. I think Scott Brooks is a bad coach, and I think they've also not given him very good uh, weapons, even though they are good on the offensive side of the ball and they have a lot of offensive weapons. They are two sides to the ball, and the defensive side for them is absolutely terrible, like Their defense is so, so bad. Now that Thomas Bryant's injured, their center position is really, really poor as well. Like There are very uh, clear issues with this roster, but Russell Westbrook is one of those clear issues with this roster right now. I hope he can prove me wrong. I hope he gets 100% healthy and starts playing like the old Russell Westbrook, because at the end of the day, I want to see good basketball. And Russell Westbrook, when he's healthy, is one of the most entertaining players in all of basketball. Uh, But he just hasn't really been the same guy we're used to seeing this year. And I'm worried this could be the start of the decline for Russell Westbrook. I still think he can be a good player. Uh, I still think he could be like an all-star caliber player, but he's really got to start turning things around soon. Or I may be uh, terrified of the future of Russell Westbrook because it has not looked good at all this season for him. Now we are going to get into a little bleacher report article i always love doing this like once or twice a week just looking at a bleacher report article and this one is which nba teams have the best young cores right now so it's going to be ranking young cores and i'm super interested because i always love talking about young players uh Even though we have so many great older players in the league, we also have so many great young guys. And it's always fun for me to just talk about new guys that are coming into the league. A lot of my favorite players are young guys who are probably going to be on this list. Guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Luka Doncic. Like, I always love young talent. I love evaluating the NBA draft. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what Bleacher Report thinks of young cores. Obviously, I'll give my personal opinion on what I think about the best young cores. But yeah, let's just get into this list. Number 10 is the Indiana Pacers. DeMontis Sabonis being 24, Miles Turner being 24, and Aaron Holiday also being 24. I mean, I guess this makes sense because uh, they are under the age of 25. DeMontis Sabonis is one of the better uh, bigs in the NBA with his ability in the post. He's just super overpowering down there. Also an amazing playmaker, uh, great rebounder. Miles Turner has had an awesome season so far as the guy who blocks shots so well and then can shoot the three ball uh, pretty well for a center. And then Aaron Holiday is just a pretty nice player to have. I think he's going to be mostly just a backup point guard throughout his career, but that's completely fine. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Monte Morris type of player who I just think is going to be one of the better backups uh, in the league, and then they have some other players uh, in the young core as well, but not not really anybody uh, super uh, noticeable. Um, this one definitely is weird for me though, just because these guys are all 24. So they're not necessarily super young by any means. And it doesn't feel like they're young core, but I do understand the rationale because they all are under 25 years old and they all are good players. So I do understand them being on this list, but I think another team maybe could have taken that spot. Uh, at number nine, they got the Philadelphia 76ers. That is, that is pretty interesting as Joel Embiid doesn't really fit under the young core anymore as he's getting... Uh, not up there in age but is kind of like a veteran in the league now but ben simmons obviously still pretty young at 24 years old even though he's been disappointing so far this season he has been playing much better as of recently and he's so talented uh, and even though his offense has been disappointing, this dude's defense has been absolutely out of this world. Like he's everywhere on that side of the ball. He can really guard one through five and it's so, so impressive. Shake Milton is 24 as well. He's someone who's really emerged this season It has become one of the better six men in the NBA. And he's been a really important piece for a very good Philadelphia 76ers team. Tyrese Maxey, obviously young player, very, very nice, uh, uh, player to have for this young core with him being only 20 years old. His guy was a very talented scorer. I was so surprised that he slipped so low to the 76ers. I feel like it's just another case of a Kentucky guard who didn't really get uh, as much opportunity in college, uh, slipping lower than they should have, and then proving people wrong. Tyrese Maxey's been very good so far this season, and even though now that they're fully healthy, his minutes are getting kind of cut a little bit short. He was very good and stepped up in in a big way when they were missing their guy and I think in the future especially he's going to be such a massive part of this team coming off the bench or even as a starter so he is definitely a really nice player for them to have and then Matisse Thybul, a great wing defender didn't realize he's already 23 years old he's only a year younger than Ben Simmons and he definitely needs to improve his three-point shooting but he's already such a good wing defender and his three-point shooting is decent so Definitely makes sense for them to be up here. Obviously, if Joel Embiid was technically a part of the young core, they'd be much higher, but they definitely have plenty of talent. Some of their guys are uh, almost breaching 25 years old, but they have a super young guy in Tyrese Maxey, and all these guys still have plenty of room to grow, and I think all of them are very, very good. At number eight, they got the Atlanta Hawks, and this is one of the teams that has by far the most young talent in the league, just as far as, like, volume of players. Trey Young being only 22, John Collins 23, DeAndre Hunter 23, Cam Reddish 21, uh, Kevin Herter 22, and then Yeka Kongwu uh, 20. Trey Young... Uh, definitely had some really big struggles that were super weird at certain points in the season, but it's turned things around as of late and is playing like the Trey young. We all know he's capable of John Collins been a little disappointing this season as he just hasn't gotten as much opportunity uh, with a team that now has much more offensive options. Deandre Hunter, in my opinion is one of like the top five most underrated uh, players in the NBA as a whole. He's been absolutely phenomenal for this team is mostly a three and D guy, but it can expand his game uh at times but his most valuable ability is the ability to be a 3 and D guy. He's an elite wing defender and is a great three-point shooter as well, and that will always be valued in the league. And then he can just occasionally create a shot, not a big part of his game, but something he could do once in a while. Cam Reddish, great wing defender, but it has been pretty disappointing so far this season. He's one of those guys that is a project, and honestly, he's one of those guys who I think is probably going to be off this Atlanta team at some point, just because I don't think he really has, The room to spread his wings and to develop that much as a player, Uh, just because they have so many other young, promising wings as well. But he is a talented guy at the end of the day, and I think he can be a very good player down down the line he just needs time needs development and needs patience and then kevin Herder, really good shooter and yekka kongwu i think has a ton of potential to be like a bam at a bio type of player i don't think he's ever going to reach bam because bam is so good but especially on the defense side of the ball i think on kongwu is absolutely phenomenal Then is a solid offensive player as well denver nuggets absolutely should be up here honestly surprised they're not higher Uh, Oh, yeah. Jokic isn't a part of the young core anymore. I think he either recently or last year hit 25. But Jamal Murray 23 uh, inconsistent, but has a ton of talent and still has a lot of room to grow. Michael Porter Jr. I think could be one of the best offensive players in the entire league. I think he could be an all star player. Bull Bull at only 21 uh, really hasn't played much this season, but I still think has a lot of potential. He's just someone who is a bit of a project. Uh, but has all the talent in the world, and then RJ Hampton is someone who I think is going to be another guy who just takes time, but I think he can be very good with his raw athleticism and then some of the skills he has as a ball handler and his ability to finish at the rim. Definitely makes sense for them to be up here. Honestly, I'd put the Atlanta Hawks over them just because Jokic isn't part of the young encore, but I can get them being so high because Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. should both be all-star caliber players down the line. At number six, they got the Miami Heat with Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, and Preston Sotua. Um, Obviously, they have a very, very good young core. Bam Adebayo is a player who's really stood out to me this season. I think he's... uh, just one of the best big men in the nba uh, he's a guy who looked a lot like kevin garnett to me he looks like the next kevin garnett type of player with his ability to face up hit mid-range jump shots and then be one of the best defenders in the league tyler hero is someone who gets a ton of hate because he did get overrated by certain heat fans but he's still a very good player and has had a very good season so far i feel like he's gone super under the radar because he got so much hate but he's been solid this year and then precious achua is a guy who just brings a ton of energy off the bench Reminds me of like a Montres Harrell, Kenneth Fareed type of guy. Never think he's going to get big minutes, but he's just a very solid player. Uh, another team that I may expect to be a little bit lower, like I think the Hawks should be much higher on this list. I could understand like the rationale of there's so many guys in the young core and you may not think uh, they fit together great, but I think they should be. Uh, probably above the Miami Heat, just due to the Miami Heat not having a ton of uh, players in the young core. Because Guys like Duncan Robinson, even though they're young like in the NBA as far as years playing, he is not super young as a whole. Uh, New Orleans Pelicans, they have at number five. Honestly, I'd have them lower just due to the lack of fit on this roster. I think they have one of the most talented young cores, but fit is super important. Obviously, we all know how good Zion and Ingram are are both all-star caliber players in this league. Lonzo is someone who I expect to not be on this roster for much longer. I just think he's been kind of done dirty by them, and I just don't think he really fits with this roster. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is someone who I like quite a lot. As uh, a guy who can score the ball off the bench, be a bit of an explosive player, and he's definitely been much better this year than he was last year. Kyra Lewis is someone who I think has a ton of potential. I think he can be like a Dennis Schroder type of player, and then Jackson Hayes is just a super raw big man who is talented but um, hasn't really put anything, hasn't really put everything together yet. As he's more of a guy who just catches lobs and blocks shots for now. I would put them lower just due to the lack of fit. Like I'd put them below a Miami Heat and probably even a Denver Nuggets. Uh, Again, I think they have the talent, but I just don't like the fit. Uh, Number four, they have the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, not knowing anything else I'd probably put them higher just because John ja Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr. both being 21 years old I think are one of the brightest young uh, duos in the league Brandon Clark is an amazing role player and then they absolutely nailed it in this draft with Xavier Tillman uh, and Desmond Bain I think those two can be awesome role players and then Anthony Mellon is a great uh, defender as well so I think this one should probably be higher uh, they have the Phoenix Suns at three which I can understand because Devin Booker's still in the young core at 24 De'Andre Ayins only 22. Mikael Bridges has emerged to being one of the uh, better 3D wings in the league. Cameron Johnson great shooter and then Jalen Smith uh, a guy who can shoot the ball pretty well and then block shots Miles Turner type of player but I would just put uh, the Memphis Grizzlies above them. Nothing against the Phoenix Suns. I just think the Memphis Grizzlies have such a good young core. They have the Dallas Mavericks at two with Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, uh, Josh Green, and Tyrell Terry. Obviously, Luka Doncic is a phenomenal player, top 10 player in the league. And I think that really carries their young core. But I also like a lot of their younger guys. I like Josh Green. I like Tyrell Terry. I like even some of uh, the guys that were drafted later for them. Like, um... I really like Nate Hinton. He went undrafted. I think he's an awesome player. I think Jalen Brunson is going to be one of the best backup point guards in the league for a while. So they definitely deserve to be high. And then number one, we got my Boston Celtics. I mean, how could they not be number one? Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, man. Those two guys are phenomenal. I don't care about people who debate who who's better. The Celtics have both of them, and both of them are absolutely phenomenal. So I'll absolutely take it. Peyton Pritchard has been a steal for them. Even though he's injured now, he uh, has a lot of potential, and I think he's very, very good already. I think he can be... Uh, uh, very good player not an all-star player really but probably a very good starter grant williams someone who struggled this year uh, but i do like his locker room presence like his, uh, some of his abilities i think he has a pretty high basketball iq aaron nesmith has struggled uh, but he, I think he still can shoot the hell out of the ball, and I'm not worried about Aaron Nesmith at all. And then Romeo Langford is someone who's been injured consistently throughout his career, but I think has a ton of potential as uh, a wing who could play really good defense and then is a good slasher as well. It reminds me of like a Gary Harris type of player. So I think it makes sense to have my Celtics at number one because that duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is just way too good. I think at this point, with the way Jalen Brown's playing, I think they both established themselves as like top 15 players in the league i think jason tatum's on the border of being a top 10 player he's been amazing this season and i think they definitely deserve to be number one i'm going to take a break and i'll be right back to talk about some player spotlights okay i'm back to do some player spotlights first talking about Jalen brown of my boston celtics and wow Jalen brown has truly ascended to being just one of the best players in the NBA as a whole. I mean, uh, he's averaging 26.9. Well, he's actually averaging 27 points now, 27.3, 5.8 rebounds, and 3.5 assists, also one and a half steals, shooting 53% from the field, 43% from three, and about 78% from the line. Uh, It's just absolutely phenomenal how he's played so far this season, Uh, and as someone who is a Celtics fan and has closely watched every single game, it's been really, really special to see uh, Jalen Brown's ascension. Uh, especially where he came from. Jalen Brown was a player who has always been very solid, has uh, been a pretty good three-point shooter, solid uh, wing defender, especially on balls. I had off-ball struggles, but as a one-on-one individual defender, he's very good, good slasher, has always been super athletic. And that's why the Celtics drafted him, his raw athleticism and his potential uh, as a wing defender. But I never expected his shot creation ability to be as good as it is right now. His shot creation ability, has just gone up so much his handle went from being like a very very bad ball handler to being honestly one of the better ball handlers in the league which sounds pretty crazy but Uh, Jalen Brown is really an amazing ball handler now his ability to hit just these tough mid-range jump shots so consistently is absolutely incredible he's improved as a three-point shooter a lot of these are now off the dribble tough contested but again where he's really gotten uh, most of his points and where he's really thrived the most is in the mid-range area and these are all him creating him in the pick and roll Uh, he's improved as a playmaker as well averaging three and a half assists which is a career. High. he's basically been a career high in almost everything uh it's outside of like rebounds he he's doing everything the best he ever has and it's so impressive to me just as worth that worth work ethic because so many people were criticizing that contract that he got so so much but now he is really proven that he's underpaid at this point the dude is a top 15 player in the nba at least if he keeps playing like this and i think he's gonna keep it up because everything at first at least on the outside screams that this is just a hot streak but when you really closely watch uh, his game this is not a hot streak at all this is him just legitimately improving so much and being able able to hit shots that he simply wasn't capable of early in his career he's also improved as a defender uh, still can have moments where he gets a little bit lost off ball but is still the great individual defender that he is and has improved as an off ball defender every year I mean he's getting to the free throw line more he's shooting the best percentage uh, from the free throw line like you can just tell Jalen Brown puts the work in and he's put the work in to be one of the better players in this league it's just so amazing to me that the Celtics now have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who people constantly are obsessed with arguing about which one is better. As a Celtics fan, I honestly don't care because we have both of them, and I think they're honestly on like an even level right now, which is crazy because I thought Jason Tatum was pretty significantly better than Jalen Brown going into the season, and this isn't against Jason Tatum at all. People are acting like Jason Tatum's having a down season. The dude is averaging almost the same numbers as Jalen Brown, he's averaging like 27 points, shooting like 44% from three. Jason Tatum's been ridiculous this season. This is all about the emergence of Jalen Brown and how much he's improved as a player and now I think the Celtics have two like top 15 borderline top 10 players if uh, Jalen Brown continues to play the way he's been playing it's just absolutely amazing to me Uh, and it really stood out in that Cavs game like that Cavs game he had the most points I think it was in under 20 minutes in the shot clock era having 33 points in only 19 minutes and he just hit so many tough shots like he had this beautiful step back over Darius Garland where Darius Garland plays perfect defense but Jalen Brown just hits a tough shot that he never would have been able to, uh, especially from 2019 and before. But even in 2020, where he improved to being an all-star caliber player, he's now taking this uh, step from being an all-star caliber player, but not an all-star, to being an all-NBA caliber player. That is a crazy jump from Jalen Brown. And when Jason Tatum is finally back, which should be tonight against the Chicago Bulls, Man, that duo is gonna be terrifying for a long, long time because these are both guys who can average 25 plus points shooting over 40% from three and be two pretty damn good wing defenders, especially uh Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is an amazing wing defender and Jalen Brown is a pretty damn good one himself, so as a Celtics fan I'm just so happy to have both of these guys on my roster I don't care who you think is better I think they're both on pretty even levels now and that's just because Jalen Brown has improved in basically every aspect of his game better ball handler better shooter better free throw shooter better at finishing at the basket uh, better mid-range game better playmaker better defender the man is just such a hard worker and it's really really paying off for him because he has been on another level this season season as been absolutely incredible a top 15 player so far and I think he should he's been like an MVP candidate because the Celtics have been pretty good and he's been just absolutely ridiculous so excited to see Jason Tatum finally back on the court because this duo is terrifying for the entire league nobody's going to want to face the Boston Celtics because they have two of the best wings in the NBA as a whole next player I want to talk about is Gordon Hayward of the charlotte horn gordon hayward has been balling this season he has been absolutely amazing for the Charlotte Hornets Uh, as a Boston Celtics fan Gordon Hayward had a pretty uh, mixed time here and I don't think it was his fault at all Gordon Hayward just had so many unfortunate circumstances that were completely out of his hands but held him back as a player the injuries really really hurt him because it seemed like whenever you would get rolling whenever you would get on a hot streak it would just be another fluke injury it's not like this guy has like a chronic knee problem or his it's not like his ankle continued to bother him he sprained his other ankle he broke his Hand running into a Lamarcus Aldridge screen, like he got so unlucky with injuries. But when he was on the court for the Celtics, he was a great, great player. The dude was so efficient, and he's just a guy who fits into any team because he can be like your star number one player, but he can also be the fourth option. What? Uh, like he was on the Celtics, and no matter what, Gordon Hayward is going to play his game, and he's going to be a good player because he's just such a, a high IQ basketball player. Like his, his playmaking is always something I've been in love with. He's never been like a big time assist guy. His career high is like five point two assists, but he's always been a guy who's just uh, makes the right passes. He's super good and just super smooth out of the pick and roll, and then he's just a super efficient scorer from. Uh, all aspects of the game i mean he's a great three-point shooter especially as of late uh he's improved his three-point shooting He's shooting 42 and a half percent always have loved his mid-range game him running off screens working in the pick and roll has always had such a good mid-range game really good handle as well finishes well at the basket isn't some like crazy athlete but just does a good job of uh, having good finesse and then having a good enough handle to get around guys and i mean he's averaging 24 points so far this season also five rebounds 3.7 assists and he's helping the charlotte hornets win games he's had multiple just explosive performances where he's went absolutely off for this roster great free throw shooter as well he's getting there 5.1 times per game which is the most time since his uh, utah days and he looks like utah gordon hayward but even better, like his best season was in 2017 where he averaged uh, 22 points on 47, uh, basically 40 and 84. And he's averaging 24 on 51, 42 and a half, and then 87% from the line while still being a good playmaker, still being a, a solid defender as well. He's never been a great defender, but it's just, again, goes to his basketball IQ. He just knows where to be at the right time and he shows good enough effort on that side of the ball. He uses his size uh, to be a, a good rebounder. And I just love the dynamic that he has on this Hornets team. Cause even though just strictly as a pay a player, 30 million is a little too much for Gordon Hayward, but especially with the way he's been playing this season and just, uh, with the circumstances of the Charlotte Hornets with them, never being a th- free agent, a def- uh, destination, it made so much sense for them to go after a guy like Gordon Hayward, because that's going to be, uh, one of the only like star level players they're really going to get. They're just not, uh, one of those teams who has ever been a destination for players to land. so when you can steal a guy like Gordon Hayward, who at the end of the day is a very good basketball player and has proven to be an all-star caliber player, it's really tough for Hayward because the Eastern conference is just so stacked. Uh, Uh, especially as far as like wings go but he should be an all-star this year Uh, i would be surprised if he doesn't at least like sneak in at the end just really hope he doesn't get an unfortunate injury again because that just seems like it's been the story with gordon hayward i really hope he can stay healthy for an entire season because he is proving why he uh, got that money from charlotte and now that uh, charlotte has him they have Lamelo ball i think it's really really Uh, A bright future there and I think that team is going to be one of the more fun teams in the league for a long long time because you have Gordon Hayward who's such a good playmaker but he's going to be their main scorer you have LaMelo Ball who's going to set up everybody he's going to throw lobs to Miles Bridges he's going to hit Hayward in the corner for threes uh, and he's going to dump it down to whatever center they have the center position is definitely the thing they need to address the most but guard wise Terry Rozier has been very good this season and I really like his fit alongside LaMelo because LaMelo is a bigger guy who's actually been solid on defense so he can kind of make up for the lack of size terry rozier has at the two position uh and then can make up for the lack of playmaking uh that terry rozier has as well so Lamelo can be the main facilitator for this roster set everybody up uh terry rozier can be a secondary scorer for them gordon hayward can be the main scorer and another facilitator for them pj washington can be a four who shoots the ball uh, runs pick and pops with Lamelo, plays good defense and then Uh, Again, the five position is the thing they need to figure out. Cody Zeller is a solid player, but I just don't really think – Uh, with him as your starting center you're going to really go anywhere but if they can get that starting center uh, which i think they could maybe get a guy like drummond or something if they could get a player like that man this team could be really really good i'm really excited for the future of them and a big reason for that is because of gordon hayward he is back in all-star form uh, and like he was really good for the uh, celtics last year but just due to the lack of offensive responsibilities he had like he still got the ball but there was just so many options on that Celtics team that you couldn't really expect him to be a consistent big time score but now that he is the main guy on a Hornets team that actually isn't too bad he's completely proved of it Proving his worth, and he's proving why he's worth that contract. I'm really happy for Gordon Hayward. I hope, but nothing for the best for him. I hope he can stay healthy and continue to kill it this season because he's been absolutely awesome for the Charlotte Hornets. One of the more efficient and honestly one of the better scorers in all of the NBA so far at this point in the season. Last player I want to talk about is Bam Adebayo of the miami heat bam has been very very good at this point in the season and i've absolutely loved watching him for a heat team that's been a little bit underwhelming he has been absolutely incredible he dominated the nets as of late uh without them having a true really good rim protector he completely took advantage of that and just killed them had his first 40 point game got nine assists in that game as well he was just absolutely incredible and bam has expanded his game very very significantly like he is averaging 20 points on 61.7% from the field, 50% from three, only on 0.2 attempts per game. But I do like to see the three get involved here and there. And then 86% from the line, which is really impressive. Because last year, he was a 69% free throw shooter. And then he's still, uh, being the good rebounder that he is, getting basically nine boards per game. And then still, I love his playmaking so much. It's probably my favorite thing about Bam is his ability to play make at the center. I've just always been enamored with big... Uh, guys especially centers who can play make very well and bam is definitely one of them he has such good vision and the thing that honestly helps his playmaking the most is his ability to handle the ball bam at a bio is an awesome ball handler and definitely one of the better big men ball handlers in the entire league He is absolutely incredible as a ball handler and I just love how Eric Spolstra puts all his trust into BAM because you see him so many times taking the ball up the floor and not many teams would be willing to do that. Not many teams would allow their seven footer uh, to do that. And like, He's the offensive initiator for this team. They have playmakers. Jimmy Butler is a good playmaker. Goran Dragic is a good playmaker. Uh, they, Tyler Hero is a good playmaker. Like They have plenty of guys who can make, But a lot of the times, Bam Adebayo is their main offensive initiator. And now with that handle and him expanding his offensive game... Man, Bam Adebayo is going to be absolutely deadly because the thing that has stood out to me more than anything, because we knew he was a great defender, easily one of the most versatile defenders in the league, and easily, in my opinion, a top five defender. We knew his ability to finish on the interior and catch lobs. We knew his ability to be a good ball handler and a playmaker and a good rebounder, but uh, what he showed off slightly in the playoffs last year, especially against the Celtics, he he's completely unleashed it that year, uh, this year. And that is his ability to shoot uh, the mid-range. His face-up game is absolutely phenomenal now. Especially, I I watched back the Pistons game. He hit so many mid-range jump shots against that Pistons team. It was absolutely incredible. How many just tough, contested uh, face-up mid ranges that he hit. He is reminding me a lot of my favorite player of all time, Kevin Garnett. He's always kind of reminded me of him, especially last year, uh, just with his defensive versatility, with him being so light on his feet, him being able to handle the ball, you know, rebound well. But the thing that he was always missing that Kevin Garnett had was Kevin Garnett has one of the better face-up games that I've ever seen. His ability to hit mid-range jump shots off the dribble as a big is so, so impressive. But now that Bam Adebayo has incorporated that in his game and he can shoot the three ball, it's not something he goes to often, but it's something that's been raved about within the Miami Heat's organization for a while. And now that we're seeing him be a better free throw shooter, being a better mid-range shooter, and he's always had such a good form on his jump shot, I see no reason why bam can't be a very good three-point shooter as well and i mean once bam gets that fully incorporated in, in his game How are you supposed to stop Bam Adebayo? He's already an elite defender, one of the best defenders in the entire league, and now he has the full offensive package as someone who can handle the ball, who can playmake, who can rebound, who can catch lobs, who sets good screens, who can hit mid-range jumpers, who can create his own shot, who can face up, who can post up, and then hit threes as well? Like, That is a damn near perfect player. And I think Bam Adebayo has the potential to be like a top 10 player. I'm that high on Bam. And I never thought I would because I always really liked Bam's game. But I thought his offensive game was going to hold him back from being like a top 10 player. But now that he's unlocked that ability to shoot the mid-range and he's unlocked his uh, face-up game. Again, I don't know how you're supposed to stop Bam. And if he can become a good three-point shooter, Bam Adebayo is literally the perfect player and he's literally a completely complete player he's going to be a guy who I expect in his prime to average like 25 points per game 10 rebounds and 6 assists a steal and a half and a block and a half and those are those are ridiculous numbers man but I'm that high on Bam I just think uh, with his ability to do almost everything on the floor now and I think Miami is going to trust him more and more especially as Jimmy Butler's getting older Jimmy Butler's most valuable ability is going to be his ability to lead the team and close down the stretch but I think uh the more and more time goes on Bam Adebayo is gonna uh, be like the best player on this roster especially in the regular season I think Jimmy uh, has such a good relationship with Bam as well that he's gonna allow him and he's gonna be so happy for Bam to be the number one guy but yeah Bam Adebayo is absolutely a star in this league and is become I think a top 20 player at the bare minimum he's been playing that well and yeah his face-up game now is just beautiful I absolutely love everything about Bam and Abayo's game I'm completely enamored with him as a player and I'm so happy with how uh, how he's performing so far uh, this season just watching him wise but as a Celtics fan and with our issues at the center position I'm absolutely terrified of ever facing Bam Adebayo because he destroyed us when his offensive game wasn't even as expanded as it is now. Imagine what Bam Adebayo would do to the Celtics this year. That is some scary, scary stuff. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure uh, Podcast, my first visual podcast. I hope you enjoyed. It's been Michael. Peace out.